So it's a sicha. You guys familiar with the difference between a sicha and a mimer? Yeah? Everybody? Um, wait, a sicha, the Rebbe said, and the mimer, like what, like what is it? So both, both are said. So a yeah. sicha means a talk and a mimer means a discourse. So kind of the same thing yeah. in terms of the translation. A sicha was a, a talk on any topic that the Rebbe gave over. didn't necessarily have to be on chassidus. It could be on current affairs. It could be on Gemara. So we would say nigla, it, that, like all of that category. It could be addressing a group of women. You know, it could be addressing yeah. soldiers. That's a sicha. And then a mimer is specifically chassidus. So there was a special nigga that was sung before a mimer was a much more like somber, serious kind of time. And the idea is, as we see it, and I've mentioned this to, to those of you who have been here before, that um, we see that new chassidus was coming into the world through, through the Rebbe every time that the Rebbe spoke a mimer. Even though very often maimarim were based on previous maimarim or previous rabbeim, there was always something unique and added that each Rebbe you know, added into the maimarim. So until now, we've mainly been learning maimarim. I think we learned one Sicha, thank you so much. Ah, not on my glasses. It's, yeah, it's got English. It's only English. Come on. A little bit. A little bit of Hebrew, yeah? Oh, yeah. I need to check it. I think it should be it. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Thank you. I think we've learned one Sicha together, right? I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, we, we also learned, yeah, we've learned a couple, like, spattered throughout the year. Um, so this, this we would actually call a nigla sicha. It's on a gemara. Um, so, yeah, in terms of this being chassidus class, like, tech, like if we're going to take this technically, this is not, a, like, it's weird to say, but, yeah, it's not chassidus in terms of, like, the distilled form of that. Um, but it is very relevant. It's relevant to the time, the fact that we're in a leap year, and we have two others now, and it's relevant to... The fact that we're women and the discussions that we had kind of connected to Kofi Shvat. So that's why I thought that, well, we'll spend the week, we'll spend the week on this and we'll get back to our Maimarim. Does everyone have a copy? Yeah? Okay. Wait, so we're in a sicha right now, right? So this is a sicha. This is not actually a sicha, what you're looking at right now. This is my, like, source sheets that are brought in the sicha. Some of them, not all. Um, the actual sicha we're going to start inside tomorrow. The general introduction and starting, starting the topic we're going to start today. The sicha is based off of a pasuk. A gemara. The sicha is based off of a gemara, which is based off of a pasuk. Okay? So... Let's first go to the pasuk. It's the second thing on your page, just so we can see the context of what we're going to be talking about. So skip Judaism's lunar calendar for now. We're going to go back there. And let's just look at the pasuk. This is from Boratius. Vayas Elohim and Hashem made as shnei hama'ayrais hagdailim, the two great luminaries. You guys might be familiar with this verse. As hama'or hagadol, the great light, lememsheles hayoyim, to rule by day. Be'es hama'or ha'katan, and the smaller light, lememshelas ha'layla, to rule by night. Be'es ha'kochavim, and the stars. So Rashi asks a question here on this verse. That's based on the Gemara. We're not going to be learning the Rashi. We're going to be learning the Gemara, which elaborates on this story. But before we go into the Gemara, look at this verse. You can look in the English. There's a discrepancy here in this verse that doesn't add up. I want you guys to try and see if you can find what it is. What is like not working to if when you look at this verse? And he mentions three things. 
it says two two luminaries, but then mentions also the stars. Okay, so that is actually I think I think Rashi actually addresses that as well, that the stars go together with the sun and uh, with the moon. Sorry, and um, and he actually discusses there the relevance for that. So here in this case, the stars fall into the category of the small luminary to rule by night. Like he says that he says uh-huh. it's written that two like both of them are great, but one is actually smaller than the other. So yes, exactly. That's the question that the Gemara brings. That's the question that Rashi brings. It starts off by saying, "And Hashem made two great lights," and then he says, "The great light, the big light to rule by day, that's the sun, and the small light to rule by night." And so the question is, wait, are they great or is one big and one is small? <laughs> Get the question? No? Oh, yeah. yeah? Okay, no, you like shook your head. Okay, good. So Rashi asks this question and brings a very famous story, which you might be familiar with. And the source of the story is in the Gemara. So we're going to learn now uh, the question, which we just said, and then the answer based on the Gemara. And the whole Sikha is based off of this Gemara. Basically deconstructs it and explains it in a much deeper way. So let's go into the Gemara now. <clears throat> Gemara Chulin. Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi Remi Ksiv. Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi says that it is written. And Hashem made the two great lights. And then it's written, the big light and the small light. Amra. So that's the question, and now we're explaining Amra. She said, Amra Yareach Lifnei HaKadosh Baruch The moon said before Hashem, Ribono Shel Oilam, Master of the Universe, Efshar L'Shnei Melachim, Is it possible for two kings, Sheyishtamshu B'Keser Echad, that they will use one crown? Amar La, Hashem said to her, Lechi, go, V'ma'ati Esatzmech, and diminish yourself. Anyone familiar with this story? It sounds very familiar. Sounds familiar, right? Um, It's one of those stories we learn as children, and it's brought in Rashi, so it's brought in, you know, the simple kind of context of the Torah explaining this discrepancy. Why does it start off with the big lights, and then it says the big light and the small light, and the answer is, well, there's actually a background story. At first, they were two great lights. They were both equal. And it's explained they were never the same size. The sun and the moon, it's never that the moon was the same size as the sun, but the power and the greatness of the light of the moon was equal to the power and greatness of the sun, of the light of the sun. So they started off truly as two great lights. And then the Gemara goes on to say that the moon approached Hashem and said, we are both, you know, we are both seemingly equally great right here is it possible for two kings to share one crown that we should have two sort of rulers when it comes to the luminaries and Hashem said you're right go and diminish yourself okay so that's kind of the that's where Rashi ends so that's generally where the story as we grew up knowing it ends but the Gemara goes on to bring an entire conversation that the moon has with Hashem and obviously this is not the physical moon having a conversation with Hashem this is the spiritual representation of the moon. Every single physical creation has a spiritual representation up on high. So if anyone was wondering how Hashem has conversations with the moon, um, this is not the literal... You know, there's this song, there was a man, I just, there was a man lived in, I think it's from Barney, but there was a man who lived in the moon, 
and there's like a moon. Anyway, is it only me who watched Barney as a kid? <laughs> only me? It's funny because my kids don't watch any of these things, but I like make sure to sing them the songs <laughs> just so that they're like so updated, but no one even knows them anymore. That's so funny. So I see my daughter knows all the Barney songs. She's never seen Barney. Anyway, so I always sing. There was a man who lived in the moon. Anyway, but there's not actually the moon talking over here, obviously. It's the, it's the spiritual representation of the moon. And so the moon was clearly offended, right? But that's, that's right. That's generally where the story ends when it comes to how we learn, right? That the moon complained. We're both so great. Seemingly the moon's intent was that the sun should be diminished, right? But then Hashem said, oh, you have a good claim. You go and diminish yourself. So let's continue. The Gemara continues with this conversation. And notice, it's very interesting that the Gemara uses the female for moon, right? Amra. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. So, Yareach is a male word, but Levana, which is another word for moon that's brought in the Tyra, is is female, is feminine. And it's interesting here, it uses Yareach, right? Amra Yareach, Lefnea Kaddish Baruchu. Yareach is a male, like, it's a male word, right? Because we have, like, male nouns in, um, in, we have male and female nouns in Hebrew. And based on that, we use adjectives and pronouns based on that, either male or female. But the Gemara specifically uses female. So it's interesting. The Rebbe, in, the, in this entire Sikha, as we're going to see, this is all, this is the Gemara that the Sikha is going to be based on, never once refers to masculine and feminine in the context of the Sikha. And like, you know, referring to the moon as, let's say, feminine and the sun as masculine. It's really just like a discussion about the relationship between Hashem and the sun and the moon and this conversation as we're going to see it. But the fact that, first of all, the Gemara itself uses the female for the moon, right? Amra. Um, but it's usually, isn't it brought up, I remember I was told this at the college classes, <laughs> like, like, I was told about this thing. Isn't it some kind of metaphor? Absolutely. Like, there's definitely many connections between the sun and the male energy and the moon and the female energy and also just female bodies and the moon connected, right, with the cycles and all of that um, and the men and the sun. But I'm saying in this specific sikha, the Rebbe doesn't make any overt allusions to, oh, and by the way, all the messages that we're learning from the sikha and the lessons that have to do with the moon have to do specifically with the feminine. But it's something that we can take for ourselves, okay? So it would be anything that we're taking in terms of our lessons for male, female, and our, you know, our energy as a female, how it connects to the moon. It's all us kind of understanding it on our own. I'm just, I just want to put it out there because I will be adding things and I want to hear from you guys as well. But the, the Rebbe doesn't mention it here. But again, notice that as we follow along with this conversation, the moon is referred to in the female. So let's continue inside the conversation at bottom of the page. So the, I just, there's the English in the middle, but this is the same Gemara continuing now. So Hashem has just told the moon, Amarla, Hashem said to her, Lechi go and diminish yourself. Amra Lafanov, she said before him, so the moon said before Hashem, Ribona Shalolam, master of the universe, Ha'il va'amarti lefanecha, davar hagun. But I said before you something that makes sense, something logical. Am and therefore I should diminish myself. Fair question, right? I came to you and I made a good point, and therefore I'm getting punished for making a good point. Amarla, Hashem said to her, Lechi umeshol bayom ubalayla. Go and rule during the day and during the night. Amrale, Hashem, the moon said to him, to Hashem, Mai rabosea de shagra betihara. 
here it's it's referring to what is the use of a candle next to a torch i think i have to check the english and here it says mai ehene what is the purpose here let's just read the english of exactly how it translates it Go and rule both during the day and alongside the sun during the night. She said to him, what is the greatness of shining alongside the sun? What use is a candle in the middle of the day? So, so far, the moon says to Hashem, wait, I said something correct to you and I should get punished. And Hashem is basically starting to appease the moon and saying, okay, but you will get to rule by day and by night. You will get to shine alongside the sun during the day, right? We've seen the moon sometimes during the day. Never seen the sun at night, except maybe in like Alaska, I'm not sure how it works there, <laughs> not quite sure, but then the moon responds to Hashem's appeasement by saying, what's the point in ruling by day next to the sun? Nobody's getting light from me and any sort of advantage from me being there, what's the point inside shining alongside the sun? So, Amar la, Hashem said to her, Zil liyamino bach Yisrael, yamim v'shanim, the Jewish people will have their calendar according to, they will count their days and their years, right? We know that the Jewish calendar goes according to the moon, as opposed to the, I think it's the Christian calendar, I guess, goes according to the sun. I think the Muslim calendar goes according to the moon, mm-hmm. but the big difference is what the moon is about to mention, which is, what did, what did the moon respond to this appeasement on? To this appeasement on Marley? The moon said to Hashem, Yoma nemi e efshar de la menu beit kufasa. It is impossible that they will not also count according to the sun. Dixiv, as it's written, the hayula osos vilamuadim. It should be for you for signs, for holidays, vilayamim, for days, vishanim, and years. Okay, so what's going on here? We have a lunar calendar. We count according to the moon. But the moon is responding to Hashem, yes, but we also count according to the sun. When do we count according to the sun? And this is the difference. This is the difference between the Jewish yeah. calendar and the Muslim calendar. But our calendar, when is our calendar influenced? What day? Leap years. Leap years. So this year we have a leap year. We have two Adars. Why do we have two Adars? Because we want Pesach to be Exactly, because the verse that's brought here, and it will be for you for a sign and for, for holidays, for days and for years. We're told that certain holidays need to fall out in certain seasons. Seasons go according to the sun. And if we would only count according to the moon, our calendar would slowly drift away from the seasons. And Pesach, which is the example brought, would not fall out in the season that it needs to fall out. And all the holidays wouldn't, just as we see Ramadan is like different it's always like it, it could be any it's slowly shifting and moving throughout the calendar our holidays is defined also our calendar is defined not only by the moon the months by the moon but also by the sun that the holidays need to fall out in certain seasons which is why we add an extra adar adar is the last so to speak month of the year so we add a, another one on basically we add an extra month until we start the, the new year again from Nisan. There's two opinions when the year starts, Tishrei or Nisan. Nisan, we became a, a Jewish people, um, right? Tishrei, the world was, was created, other man was created. So there's a debate when exactly the, world, the, the calendar starts. But, um, you know, according to one that starts in Nisan, so right before the beginning of the new year, we, we add an extra month. So that month happens to be Adar. And we do that in order that the calendar, even though it goes according to the moon, should also stick with the sun and with the seasons. So, this is the claim that the moon is saying. Yeah, okay, they're going to count by me, 
but they're also going to count by the sun. It's not like it's not like a unique gift that you're giving me here. So, what did Hashem respond? Lekrei tzadike vishmech. That tzadikim, righteous people, will be called by your name. And the examples that are brought are Yaakov Hakatan. Yaakov is referred to as Yaakov, our forefather, as Yaakov Hakatan. We know the Hakatan is the name for the moon, as it's brought in the Torah. Shmuel Hakatan. Shmuel is actually not referring here to Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel was a Tana, who was referred to as Shmuel Hakatan. And David, King David Hakatan. So Hashem's appeasement, in this case, the third appeasement is that righteous people will be named after you and will be named after the moon. So let's just quickly read this in English and then we'll continue with what Hashem responded. She said before him, Master of the universe, since I said a correct observation before you, must I diminish myself? God said to her, as compensation, go and rule both during the day along with the sun and during the night. She said to him, what is the greatness of shining alongside the sun? What use is a candle in the middle of the day? God said to her, go, let the Jewish people count the days and years with you and this will be your greatness. She said to him, but the Jewish people will count with the sun as well, as it is impossible that they will not count seasons with it as it is written, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God said to her, go let righteous men be named after you, just as you are called Hakatan, the lesser light. There will be Yaakov Hakatan, Jacob our forefather, Shmuel Hakatan, the Tana, and David Hakatan, King David, and then sources in the Torah for the for these great righteous people being called with the term Hakatan, which is the name of the moon. Chaziah, he saw, Hashem saw, Delay ka mitva data, that the moon did not change her mind, that she was not comforted. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so Hashem said, Heviu kapara alai, bring an atonement for me, shemi atiti etayareach, that I diminished the moon. And this is what we see that Reish, have you guys learned about Reish Lakish? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Oh, in high school. So Reish Lakish is an interesting story with him. He was like the top bandit. You know, he was a real uh, tough guy. And then I think it was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai that ended up having a whole encounter. And um, in the end, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai told him that if he does Teshuvah, he can marry his sister, I think it was. Um, and he became like one of the greatest Tanas. <laughs> he used to be like a real, real, real criminal. Anyway, so Reish Lakish is quoted as saying, Ma nishtana, what, was, what does ma nishtana mean? What is different? Seir shall Rosh Chodesh about the sacrifice of the goat that is brought on Rosh Chodesh from all of the other goat sacrifices. Shenem Arbo that it says about this sacrifice, about the Rosh Chodesh sacrifice in Pashas Bamidbar, La Hashem. It, that it is for Hashem, that we bring this goat offering for Hashem. Amar HaKadosh Baruch because Hashem said, Seir Zeh, this goat, Yehei Kapara, will be an atonement, Al Shami Atati for the fact that I diminished the moon. That's the Gemara. Interesting Gemara, right? Not, how many of you have heard this story in the context of the Gemara as it's brought? Have you heard it, Malki? Yeah. yeah? Okay, cool. Everyone else, you usually hear the story like, that's it. The moon went to Hashem and said, can two kings rule with one crown? And Hashem said, oh, you're right. Go and diminish yourself. 
But here we have this whole back and forth conversation. And the Rebbe is going to explain to us, well, first of all, the Rebbe is going to ask a bunch of questions, as the Rebbe does, ask questions on this Gemara. And then the Rebbe is going to explain each of the three atonements, so to speak, three appeasements that Hashem seems to be giving to the moon, the three arguments that the moon is giving back, and what the ultimate atonement is in the end. So what the Rebbe is going to be doing is explaining the deeper meaning of this conversation. Yeah. Um, just a question on, on, on the moon. It seems like, I don't know, maybe if the, we'll bring it up, but what was, if she, if the moon goes to Hashem to like say about the crown, not being able to have only like wear like the one crown together and then her light is diminished and then going and then Hashem saying, no, no, well, to compensate, you'll be ruling both a day and night. And then the conversation coming to um, the calendar, and then her saying that the day, will, the sun will also be used. Is that not also saying that she she knows that the calendar, she kind of that the moon already knew that the calendar will. Oh, like how did she, how did she have an argue? Like how did she have an argument already? Like yeah. ready? Oh, Interesting question. Already, seems like she already knew how why did she okay yeah. so so we'll go to the beginning of the questions because this is based on like deeper questions that we have on the skamara which is first of all well there's many foundational sort of questions first of all what really is the claim of the moon we need to understand like what is the moon claiming here how much does it know what is the argument what does it mean two kings can't rule with one crown? What's the problem with the sun and the moon both shining at the same time? Why is that an issue? Not both shining at the same time, sorry. Both having an equal quality of light, just one being in the day, one being at night. Like, what's, what's the issue there? So the first thing we need to try and understand is what is the real claim of the moon? And that we're going to get into in the Sikha. Then we need to understand, was this claim correct or not? Because on the one hand... She seems to be getting punished for this claim by saying, okay, well, you said this, now you will get a punishment. You go and diminish yourself. On the other hand, Hashem is like appeasing the moon nonstop. Oh, well, you know, I'm so sorry for diminishing you. You'll get, take this, take this, take this, take this. We see four appeasements, right? The last one is that there will be a goat offering brought for the moon for the fact that I diminish the moon every Rosh Chodesh. We know that Rosh Chodesh is connected, obviously, to the moon. So... Was the claim of the moon, once we understand what the claim is, was it correct? Was it incorrect? Why is Hashem appeasing the moon? Why does Hashem not, um, not just say, this is my decision, this is what I decided to do, or you know what, I'm going to change my decision, but what, where does the appeasement fall in here? Another question we're going to address is, if this is what Hashem had decided, that there needs to be a greater light and a lesser light, why did he originally create them as equal? Mm. It's one of the only things we see in creation that Hashem created it one way and then immediately changed it. Immediately, within the same verse, we already see that there's a change. It happened a right away. Or, like, regular, like, I just thought it was a midrash that... That Hashem changed it? Well, yeah. it's, well it's the Gemara. Okay, yeah. It's the Gemara. It's, um, it's sourced in the Pasuk, though. 
Okay. So yes, even mean, though obviously this is the oral Torah, it's not yeah. written. The story is not written in the written Torah, but we see from the verse itself, Hashem made the two great lights, the big light and the small light. So there was a change that happened immediately. They Did stopped. It not also happen with the trees as well. There's yes, there was something with the trees yeah, that they the were supposed to, supposed to be. Yes. But that, <coughs> that changed because of the trees. They didn't want to listen to Hashem. Mm-hmm. Right? What I'm trying to remember. This is a midrash. So it's different instead of um, approaching Hashem. Right. Well, well themselves. you know, the truth is, interestingly, that we, yeah. So here, Hashem didn't change his mind on his own. With the trees, Hashem saw what was going on and he changed his mind. The next question after, why did Hashem create something in order to immediately change it, is why, if he planned then to change it, did he wait for the moon to come with a claim? Mm-hmm. If you plan to change it, then change it. Well, we have the question why you plan to change it. Why not just originally make a bigger and a smaller light? But if that's what you decided to do, why not just do it? Why wait for the moon to come, complain, and then say, oh, you're right, let me, do, let me change it. Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem doesn't just like, change his mind like this. So what's going on here? Obviously, we're taking this very seriously. And as I brought to you before, the Rebbe takes these kind of conversations and relationships, anything that's brought in the Tyra, including in the oral Tyra, we take very seriously, right? Just as we were discussing when it came to what we spoke about on Thursday with Haman. The fact that Haman's claim and his joy is brought in the Gemara, we want to understand it to the depth of, of, of what he was thinking. And so to hear the fact that it's brought, we can say, oh, well, that's not even possible for the moon to talk to God, so why do we care? The fact that it's brought in the Tyra means that there's a real truth here and a chokhmah and a lesson. And so... That's why we're, we're taking it seriously with all of these questions. So why did Hashem create something to change it immediately? Why did he wait for the moon to come in order to decide to change it? And was the, what was the moon's claim? Was the moon's claim correct or was it incorrect? Because on the one hand, he seems to be getting punished. On the other hand, he seems to be getting appeased, right? By all of these appeasements. Is and also part of the Mitran story that... Yes, I'm trying to remember the source of it. Is it the Medrash? No, I think it's actually. A, I'm not sure if it's the Medrash. I think the the Haya. I think it's. I think it's, it. I think it's actually from Navi, but I I don't remember those. The Haya. Ah, I might have brought it here. The Haya or Halavanaka or Hachama. That's the source. Um, no, I don't have it here. I don't have it here. But yeah, I'm trying to remember where the source is. But yeah, that, that, when, Hash, that when Mashiach comes, the light of the moon will be like the light of the sun. And that's going to come and be brought into the Sikha as well. Oh. Like the context and the relationship of that. So these are basically the questions. And then the more detailed questions that we're going to get into are trying to understand why Hashem chose specifically these appeasements. And then why the moon wasn't happy with them. Okay. So we still we need to also understand why, in order to appease the moon, did Hashem say, well, the righteous people will be named after you. Why is that like a big deal? You'll rule in the night and in the day. Why is that a big deal? And the third one was righteous people and your calendar will go according to you, right? So there seem to be some lessons there as well that we're going to learn. And then the final sort of appeasement, which is this sacrifice. And... So we're going to be discussing the lunar calendar. So let's read a little bit about the lunar calendar here. This is all, again, preparing us. We're going to go into the Sikha tomorrow. But let's see a little bit about the lunar calendar, which is the first claim. The first? No, the second claim. The second appeal that Hashem gives. So the Jewish calendar differs from the secular Gregorian calendar. 
that many use today. It relies heavily on the moon cycle to regulate the Jewish months. As the Talmud says, the other nations count by the sun while Israel counts by the moon. So it's actually entirely possible that it's not just a Christian thing, by the way. Yeah? So like when did people count their calendars before? When from like... I mean, I mean, like, from, even, even, um, old I know there's like the sun god the, yeah, and the Mayan. Yeah, the, 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 the Mayan. Yeah, the Mayan. Where are the Mayans from? Mexico. 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 Yeah. And they were like they used the they sun. used the sun a lot. And I know that there's like this. Well, actually, I think one of the the first Avodah as it's brought in Bereshis, was the grandchildren of Adam started to serve the sun. That was, I think, the first form of Avaidazara that ever came. And it came from a good place. By the way, idol worship started off from a very good intent, which is kind of like a very big lesson for us, that like <laughs> the biggest things can start off from very good intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the whole source of the concept of Avaidazara, of like choosing physical things to worship instead of God, started with very righteous spiritual people right they were like the grandchildren of adam we know that the people in that time were spiritual on a level that we can't even comprehend no, but, i mean the years i don't know about the days like me i don't know about the days but the years for sure like it's from the well i mean the whole calendar as we know it for sure is like related and connected to the christians because it's like bc before the and after Empire, the gregorian like didn't they originate because they put the they, they combined the roman calendar with like the christian because of the mass conversion oh interesting it's absolutely possible um because they they put um this 25th for example and stuff like that the they already oh i learned about that like the 25th of december yeah it was the i don't know it was all these pagan things yeah Yeah. they they combined a pagan with like a christian yeah um since that was like when the sun turned like basically and so they already have a system of of, like sun determined so it was kind of a mix in yeah okay very interesting yeah Christianity has a lot of of pagan things that they incorporated into. They said like, okay, this pagan group will, you know, will incorporate your tradition into our faith if you convert. So like, a, like the whole Xmas is basically paganism, sense, yeah, really. Like the tree and the date and the and the gifts, like they're all from different pagan holidays. It's very interesting. Um, so yeah, the whole the source of Avodah started with them looking at the sun and saying, wow, Hashem has the most incredible tools that he uses to rule the world right this the life of earth comes from the sun and so they said we need to give credit and a pre-show appreciation also to hashem's secretary so to speak and which which is true we need to appreciate the tools that hashem uses to keep the world alive but that's how it started off with the intention of this is the tools that hashem uses to run the world but then slowly people forgot that that is what it was and the sun turned into a god in and of itself and then all of the things that they were serving turned into gods in and of themselves um we're not here to demonize the sun by the way (laughs) like that's absolutely not um not what's going on here especially because as we said we're going to be connecting like the feminine with the moon and masculine with the sun um but as we know that there has there Basically, going back all the way to Adam and Chava, there was this interesting dynamic where Adam and Chava were created equal as well, just like the sun and the moon. And we'll, we'll talk about this a little. The Rebbe doesn't bring it in, but it's very interesting. Um, they were created... The whole, but the whole idea that, um, that Chava was created from the rib of Adam mm-hmm. is actually like not 
super accurate. Uh, yeah, it's not super. <laughs> I read, I, I heard it, and I was like, wait, what? And then I looked in the sources, and it's like not, it's not there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's like misinterpretations of, of words. Sorry, but the side, like you have a cube. So yes, yeah, so the side. side. So so they were created as there's a term for this. Like I guess we would even almost call it Siamese twins. They were created with two faces. Like they were Adam was like one man, but he had like Chava on the back like, of him. Yeah. yeah, and so they were separated, as in they became two distinct people. But he wasn't created out of like his rib anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's and it's very very strange and and the whole like claim of Adam, the whole idea was that they were actually able to procreate even when they were originally but it would be like back to back they weren't able to face each other and that was like the problem that Adam had they were separated became two distinct people and then they were able to actually face each other and have like a relationship and so and then we know with the whole story of what happened with the tree that the curse so to speak of Chava was that she will be kind of duty-bound to her husband and dependent upon him, and basically she was lowered. But we see the same thing with people, that people, men and women, were created literally equal, like in one body. There was no one over the other. Then they were separated, and one was made lesser, so to speak, which we would say is the woman throughout history. The woman has been seen in the eyes of the people in, in, from the perspective for, cent- for not centuries, for forever as being like just less than in some way and you know the fact that we have feminism as as it is today is a sign almost of like the change that's happening in the times of Mashiach but what we're going to be trying to explore through answering the questions that I brought these original questions which again are discussing specifically the moon and the specific conversation and context is what is the role so to speak of the woman and why has she been made lesser so the claim of the moon of like but we're equal, why did you make me less, why are you seemingly punishing me for no reason, we can, you can have this in the back of our mind, and again, this is not explicitly brought in the Sikha, of the claim of the woman to Hashem, saying, wait, we started off as equal, Adam and Chava, one person, same, same energy, you know, both created by the hands of God. But it's interesting, because I feel like, in, in Mara itself, like, gives an answer, like, by itself, meaning, like, it just like not getting the like the nuance of difference like meaning like it, it's all about like oh it's if, if it's different it's unequal and here all this of this claim about oh i'm gonna shine through through the night and whatever and like oh how can i shine through the night it's it's like it's not visible. it's not the it's same not, it's not it's not out there it's yeah. not somewhere you know yeah i love the term um, have you guys heard um this quote um different but not less it's yeah. from Temple Grandin. You guys know about Temple Grandin? Yeah. It was like one of awesome. the only movies I got to watch as a kid was this movie. But she's alive today. Yeah. It's a true story. She was born, I mean, years ago. She's very old. She's probably in her 70s or 80s. And she was autistic. And so in those days, they used to just send autistic kids to yeah. institutions, lock them up, never see them again. Um, one of the big advocates for the change in that treatment was actually the Rebbe. Um, but her mother refused. Like, they told her, yeah, it's your fault. You didn't bond with her properly when she was a baby. She's, like, sent her away. She refused. And she, like, worked incredibly, incredibly hard to integrate her as much as possible into society and allow her to, you know, she saw things completely differently than the way that we do. So there's, like, a whole documentary made about her. And the term that her mother used to say, because everyone was like, yeah, but she's different. She went to college. She went to this, like, all. And she ended up totally redesigning the whole way that cattle like are slaughtered, like a whole 
she has like a whole anyway um very interesting person but I, it always sticks out i remember hearing it as a kid that her mom said like they went to college and like, yeah but she's like different she's not she's different but she's not less and and that's kind of like the that's kind of like the argument here the sun and the moon were always different the sun and the moon were always different sizes but their greatness was appreciated equally, as we're going to see. But then, seemingly, the moon was diminished. And that's the question. Why was the greatness of the moon seemingly diminished? What is the purpose of this? And what's going on? Was the moon correct in her claim? Was she incorrect? Is she being punished? Is she being rewarded? Uh, what is going on? Okay. So this was a long intro <laughs> to what we're going to get into um, in the Sikha. And again, the whole feminine, masculine side of this conversation is not brought explicitly. So it's something we can kind of keep in mind for ourselves and take as we go along, um, the, the lessons the, that are coming, you know, alongside with it. And just a last point, because it mentions Rosh Chodesh, that we know that Rosh Chodesh is the birth of the moon and it's very much connected to women. The reason it's connected to women is because the women did not serve the golden calf. Mm -hmm. It was only the men, and they refused to give their jewelry as well. And as a, as a reward, Hashem told them that I'm giving you Rosh Chodesh as a holiday, to celebrate women like as a as a reward for this so there's clearly there's definitely many sources and links for the idea and the connection that the moon has with with women and, and it used to be like very like almost seen as halacha like that women did not sew did not um, do washing or any sort of things on Rosh Chodesh it was a woman holiday so yeah we'll continue with this tomorrow and again I will please God bring the review questions that I'll give it back to you we're going to review together a little bit as well on that okay so it's already Monday right <laughs> my head is I'm thinking it's Sunday so yeah have a great week